I'm Reverend Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. And we're coming to you from the Kodo of the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. podcast for September 21st, 2012, and today we are talking about Buddhism and representation. So in our last episode, we talked about Buddhism and commercialization, and uh, we looked, we started out with, um, you know, Buddhist images being used on things to sell them, right? But I think it moved pretty quickly into other areas, and, you know, looking even at the idea of, you know, we're in a capitalist society, maybe capitalism could be the means to spread Buddhism. Um, and uh, also, you know, looking at motivation and, you know, what motivates these things. Uh, and so Scott's uh, connection between that, this idea of commercialization, and but then also representation, yeah. how Buddhism is represented. Uh, so we didn't touch on that last time, so we wanted to uh, kind of look at it. Dive here. in. Yeah. I think it's important. Um, you know, uh, one of the, I mean, one of the, the, you know, one of the arguments people will say about, you know, when things are being commodified or you see Buddha images on shoes or whatever else, um, is that like, this is a way for people to learn, you know, be sort of like introduced to Buddhism. Um, but I think that it's also important to recognize that what you're doing is you're representing Buddhism in a very particular way. And it should, we should pause and just sort of reflect on how Buddhism gets represented in media and pop culture. Um, because, Representations matter, you know. Um, how, you know, there's, I can't remember the person's name, but there's a, a famous sociologist or, or anthropologist who says that how people are represented is how they're treated, mm. which I think is interesting. I, I don't, I don't want to go down this whole thing of like, you know, media causes actions, that there's some sort of causal relationship or, you know, correlation or whatnot, but I, you know, you know, a particular media event that doesn't necessarily cause somebody to do something, that's mm-hmm. a very hard thing to prove. But I think it's, it's very, very clear that media has an impact, that media does shape our lives and media does um, help us sort of figure out the world and help us understand things. Uh, media can be very powerful. And so how Buddhism gets represented in the media, I think is worth sort of thinking about mm-hmm. um, and, and looking at how it's represented. Um, because I think that that will inevitably inform what people come to a, a real-world Buddhist community with, right? Um, if your interest in Buddhism begins because you saw, um, you know, a Buddha image on some lady's underwear, um, you know, uh, how is that going to inform your understanding of Buddhism when you actually meet a real Buddhist or when you actually want to seek out more teachings? You know, you're going to have some, you know, you're going to have some ideas that you've picked up along the way um, that may or may not be accurate, you know, or that may, you know, you know, that may or may not be not necessarily accurate, but you know, may or may not be helpful in you know you learning more about the tradition. I think it's worth paying attention to how Buddhism is represented. So um, you know, it's not just a question of like whether or not you should buy and sell Buddhism or whether or not you should you know buy those shoes with a picture of the Buddha on them or whatnot. Um, but also think about how it's how, you know what what does this mean? What is the meaning behind this? Mm-hmm. Personally, mm-hmm. so. Uh, <laughs> So, I mean, in another, another way to think about this is not just in terms of, uh, 
Buddhism being represented, or Buddhisms, different kinds of Buddhists, uh, Buddhisms, but um, that oftentimes individual Buddhists are also represented in the media, mm-hmm. and how those representations are presented to us um, can be really revealing. It can be, you mm-hmm. know, can can really help you understand. Oh, this is what people think about Buddhism, right? Um, and this can be. Uh, you know, uh, real persons or fictional characters, right? You can see fictional characters in, in movies all the time, right? Who are sort of vaguely Buddhist and they have a certain, you know, they play a certain role in a film or whatnot, but it can also be real persons. And mm-hmm. um, the sort of definitive work on this, I think, would be Jane Iwamura's recent book, uh, Virtual Orientalism, mm-hmm. where she talks about how media creates icons. And, and she looks at one particular icon of what she calls the Oriental Monk. And she has plenty of examples of those, but the Dalai Lama would be one of them. Right. And this is interesting because the Dalai Lama is a real person, mm-hmm. but there's also this sort of what she calls a hyper-real icon of the Dalai Lama mm-hmm. that's a mediated image, right? There's the media image of the Dalai Lama, and we all know that guy, right? The media hyper-real icon of the Dalai Lama is this you know, jovial, peaceful, happy monk dude who has little snippets of wisdom that, you know, even my father-in-law every once in a while will say, you know, oh, I like the Dalai Lama. His, his, his religion is peace or, you know, or his religion is compassion or whatever. Like, when did the Dalai Lama say that? <laughs> you know, what was the context for that? Mm-hmm. And what's the relationship between those sound bites and the real person, the real actual Dalai Lama, who you might meet in the flesh, you know? So I think that it's important to look at these media representations because, you know, invariably people who don't know much about Buddhism will know the Dalai Lama and then, you know, if you, they find out that you're a Buddhist, they'll be like, oh, so you must be peaceful and happy and jovial because the Dalai Lama is. So there's some relationship there between, you know, these representations and then, you know, real persons. And I think it's worth, it's really worth sort of talking about and, and, and reflecting on how these images get created and perpetuated and what they mean and what they're saying and whether or not they reflect reality accurately or... Um, or or reflect reality in totality. I mean, you know, Buddhism is not one thing. There's lots of different kinds of Buddhism, you know, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, like, um, things have changed a lot, too, in the past 20, 30 oh, years. Yeah. Just yeah, this yeah, hyper-information society that we're in right now. We don't even <laughs> realize it because we've been in it, right? But... Um, Probably in the 60s or 70s, um, the image of the Dalai Lama was very different than it is now. People who were really into it could get into it and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, read well, some you know, books on him, but it wasn't right. like... Um, he was probably upstaged by uh, D.T. Suzuki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even D.T. Suzuki wasn't that well known in the just the, the, the broader, popular, the broader, broader context, culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So um, I remember my dad would had this... My dad was born in 1929. Right, so he's pre. He wasn't part of that summer of love generation. Right, he's kind of the previous generation. But he would. I remember he would tell me this poem: a one L llama is a priest, a two L llama is a beast. There ain't no such thing as a three L llama. Sure, there is. Haven't you ever heard of a three L llama fire? That's horrible. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that was from Maine, so it's got the kind of Maine accent yeah, and everything, yeah, right? Yeah. But the interesting thing about it is this idea that the idea of a llama right, right. as a priest, yeah. as like this oriental kind of, you know, mystical figure was there. Right. But I don't think my dad had an idea image uh, of the yeah. Dalai Lama. Or a but, real firm conception of what a llama was right. or, or is. But probably since the 70s and quickly, quickly 80s, yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. with movies and you know, all that kind of stuff, um, Little Buddha or whatever, and yeah. Kundun and all these films that we've had these, like, popular representations. Um, we're just inundated with it, huh? Right, right. Yeah. 
Right. And I, and I think that for me, where I'm, where I'm, I'm coming to my own research is um, this question of who's doing the representation. And last time we talked about motivations, and I think that's key here as well. Um, and I don't want to assume that it's, it's them who are doing the representation, right? Mm. I think that often we think, oh, well, some you know, crazy Hollywood producer is making some movie about us. You know, again, like I said last time, this dichotomy between us and them. And I told the story about the Jamba Juice poster where um, these uh, possibly very offensive Jamba Juice ads were um, painted by a Tibetan Buddhist artist, um, which shows that, you know, uh, Buddhists participate in the representation of, mm-hmm. of Buddhism in non-Buddhist contexts. Um, and I also think it's very obvious to me that at this particular moment in history, I think we all participate in media representations. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, on a very basic level, you know, with the social web, I mean, if I am new to Buddhism and I don't know much about it and I do a quick search on Google, you know, not only am I going to get, you know, traditional media sources as well as, you know, Buddhist media sources, um, but I'm also going to get, you know, random blogs and a Facebook group and, you know, other, you know, media places where people are talking about Buddhism and a lot of those folks themselves are practicing self-identified Buddhists and they're representing themselves. So I don't think that it's right for us to make this judgment that people are representing us, you know, we're Mm -hmm. taking part in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then really, I think that can be really interesting because media has power. Mm-hmm. Right now, I will I will say that I think that there are some media producers that have a greater responsibility in terms of this. Um, the, the Buddhist magazines like Tricycle and Shambhala Sound, those guys have a huge reach. I mean, they have you know, they're, they're, those magazines reach um, I think most of North America, um, and you know, not only do they the print magazines have a lot of influence, but all three of those magazines have websites that have you know discussion forums and email lists and whatnot out and. Uh, Twitter and Facebook and everything else. Um, and so I think they can be very, very influential. And so I think that it's important to see how they're representing Buddhism because they're sort of the quote unquote mainstream uh, Buddhist media outlets, mm-hmm. at least in this country. So, you know, how are they representing, representing Buddhism? Mm-hmm. What responsibility do they have to represent Buddhism uh, accurately? For lack of a better word, Wait, or what does that even mean? Yeah, <laughs> what does it mean? Or in its fullness, right? Like, do you do they have a responsibility to represent every Buddhist, right? Because you know, Buddhism is not one thing. <laughs> There's all different kinds of Buddhists in the world, um, and most of them are here in America. Um, so, mm-hmm. I think it's an important question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it seems like do we. Like Shin Buddhism, for example. Shin Buddhism has had a very um, interesting relationship with Tricycle Magazine um, over the past, what, 30, 40, 30 years, yeah, I think? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it, part of me thinks, what right do we have to complain? We're not on the, you know, we should be more actively involved. If we want accurate representation, we should be representing ourselves in a way. But at the same time, if, a, 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 if someone says, Buddhism is this, mm-hmm. or Buddhism is not this, then that can be critiqued for its accuracy, I think, and uh, should be. And that, that you're right, I guess, that they... And, and so maybe this, going back to the, what I said last time about that we need to be critical outside, but we also need to be critical inside. Mm-hmm. I would argue that um, just as often as Shin Buddhism is misrepresented by non-Shin Buddhist sources, that Shin Buddhists ministers or whatever often misrepresent other kinds of Buddhism sure. too. Yeah. So I, you know, I personally, I try to be, um, uh, 
uh, careful about this. And not only Buddhism, but we can misrepresent Christianity too. It's so easy to badmouth Christianity and say Christianity, <laughs> uh, you know, to other Buddhists, uh-huh. right? Uh, Christianity is just about blind faith, or it's just a this or that or whatever. Or it's always supports war or whatever. No, yeah. that's patently untrue. Yeah. But it's just so easy to make a generalizations judgment. yeah, and judgments yeah, yeah. Um, about others, about the other, mm-hmm. right? And that. Um, uh, at the very least, I can try and try and be aware of that in myself and my own representation of other mm-hmm. faiths or of other, you know, um, religions, um, and then try and be a voice in representation of my own. Right. Yeah. Yeah. See, I want to give Sean Wallace on a, a pass mm-hmm. a little bit. They, their, their magazine tries to represent Buddhism in a, in a more general kind of way, but the title mm-hmm. of the magazine is Shambhala Sun. So, like, you know, <laughs> if they were purely sectarian, that would be fine. <laughs> it's the title of the magazine. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, but I also feel like you were saying that often we'll say, you know, Buddhism is this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's not, to me, that's not accurate. Buddhism is no one thing. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, like not all Christians support war or, or have blind faith. Um, you can't just distill an entire religious tradition into one thing. Um, it's not, it's, it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I, my, my big concern with uh, the way that Buddhism gets represented in the media, well, I have a couple of concerns. I have a lot of concerns. <laughs> one one major concern I have is that uh, we've we, we're we're getting to this point where Buddhism is all about mindfulness and meditation, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that you know I think has some consequences that people are sort of not willing to to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I see a lot of times on uh, uh, from some like uh, Shambhala Sen's blog or, or other places where people say, "Oh, so and so is meditating. That's got to be a good thing." You know, the sort of like uncritical acceptance that meditation is always a good thing. And I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not so sure about that. I think mm-hmm. that you know Buddhism is about more than just meditation. Mm-hmm. And honestly, one of the things I think that people are not talking about as much as they should is the moral or ethical side of Buddhism, mm-hmm. as well as the community side. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not Buddhism is not just about my individual practice it's about our practice right it's about you know the community aspect as much as it is about individual practice to me anyway my Mm -hmm. opinion um and of course the ethical and moral side um again like last time we're talking about you know sort of critiquing free market capitalism you know you could do that on 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 pretty strong moral ground but if you spent your entire buddhist life talking about meditation and never talking about ethics or morals then you're on shaky ground because you don't have the grounding the moral grounding to really critique um and immoral justice i think personally but then again should buddhists critique the immoral things i don't know Bottom line, I think there's a lot of diversity in Buddhism that doesn't yeah. get um, expressed yeah, yeah, yeah. in a lot of media sources. Not just Buddhist sources, but um, even uh, even mainstream sources. Uh, someone uh, brought to my attention some story in the um, San Francisco Chronicle this week about the San Francisco Zen Center is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, it's getting press in the mainstream. You know, mm-hmm. mainstream press, not just Buddhist press, but like you know, SF Chronicle, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, whenever I see people say that, you know, San Francisco uh, Zen Center is 50 years old, yay, I always think, yeah, BCA is 125 years old. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? It's this sort of like, well, you know, how come, you know, how come this group gets the, you know, sort of free coverage and other groups don't? And so there's questions of, you know, who's getting represented, who isn't getting represented. I think these are important Mm -hmm. um, 
important questions. Yeah, yeah we um, met a famous, uh, we had our minister summer seminar last week. You met somebody famous? Yeah, we met someone famous. I'm cool. not going to tell you who it was. Um, <laughs> but um, he was interesting. He, you know, very well popular and well-known and growing group. And, um, you know, he, he was very honest. He said, I know nothing about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about Jodo Shinshu Buddhism or very little about Pure Land Buddhism. Um, that just wasn't his, you know, he's more from the um, Jack Cornfield, Spirit Rock lineage kind mm -hmm. of thing. And so... Um, there's truth to that, that, you know, yeah, BCA doesn't have a lot of um, media representation, and that's, you know, part of yeah. just who, what the organization is and historical circumstance, and, you know, I think that's changing a lot. Right. Uh, but it makes sense to me, actually, that San Francisco Zen Center would be in SF Chronicle, because it's kind of a... Yeah, it doesn't uh, surprise me. Right, right. But I mean, I can, you know, it's uh, just, interesting. My, my not good Buddhist self is like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> competitive, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think that there's uh, questions of, you know, there's also questions of ethnic and racial representation, you mm -hmm. know? I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me that the mainstream media would be more, would gravitate more toward, um, you know, a group that has less, uh, well, let's see, and I don't know, I might be I'm on, I'm on shaky ground here, but, you know, the, the BCA is certainly um, uh, uh, stereotyped as a Japanese organization, mm -hmm. um, and it's certainly got a rich Japanese, uh, Japanese American heritage to it. Mm -hmm. um, but there's nuance, and it's changing, mm -hmm. and we need to be aware of that. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and even if it is just a Japanese organization, who cares? It's still... American, you know, is still part of American right, right, Buddhism. Right, right, right. Even if most of the people who are in part of the BCA are not white, doesn't mean it's not American. Mm -hmm. um, you know, haven't we gotten past that point in nope. our discourse about American culture? Nope. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I was watching that commercial. Have you seen that IKEA commercial with the um, Asian two Asian people? They're like a couple, and they're they're at IKEA, and they open the the. Um, the wife, I guess, opens the, the thing and like inside is like her vision of what the kitchen should look like and people are dancing and she's like, go under her husband, make me a drink, you know, and then he's like, oh, really? And he opens it up and he's like, I made a, this rose I made from a turnip or something. Have you seen that commercial? <laughs> no. It's weird. It's like this Asian American couple uh -huh. and it's just interesting who they chose for the people. I mean, they're like well, two of the only Asian people on TV. Yeah. And they're like two of the only Asian American people on TV for sure. Like people that are like American, right? Like second, third generation, whatever. You can't, I can't tell if they're Chinese or Japanese or what. But it just made me think like, yeah, we're so far behind in terms of Asian American representation mm -hmm. in the media. Actually, half Asian people are much more well represented, I think. <laughs> Seriously, you know, yeah. it's like we got yeah, yeah. Keanu Reeves and... Um, there's, there's like more people who are half Asian than are Asian in, right. in like mainstream representation. Right. Um, and I think that plays a big part of it, you know, that this is an undercurrent of, of what's going on, that we just don't see Asians represented in media. And that's a lot of ways what we're talking about here, right, is media yeah. representation. Yeah. And I don't know, doing these podcasts is like makes me just want to turn off my TV. It's <laughs> 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 like so much of... I mean, what we know of the world is what we see in front of us at our work or whatever, mm -hmm. but then also what we get inundated with from images from the television, you know, so. Yeah, well, images from the television and media and more media. general, and that's... Internet. Yeah, and that's what I'm, you know, that's, that's what I'm on about, man. Mm -hmm. And media has power, and, like, uh, we can't just discount it as not relevant or, you know, oh, they're just... 
whatever, you know, it's not important. Yeah, I think it is important. And how people are represented is, is absolutely important. And if they're not represented, then I think that that just, you know, reinforces the stereotype that, a, that Asian Americans are not part of America. Mm-hmm. You know, if you never see Asians on television, then, you know, then, then you'll never see Asians, period, right? And that's, that's a serious problem. And we should, you know, we should t- definitely talk about that. And I think it's absolutely related to, um, to American Buddhism because so much of what we see in the media about American Buddhism references, uh, you know, communities that have historically been uh, converts or have historically been your American and, and, and their demographics. And, you know, like I said, it doesn't surprise me, but mm-hmm. it bums me out, mm-hmm. really bums me out, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then it goes back to the, the question of responsibility. And to me, it's a, it's a moral or ethical question. Should uh, Buddhist organizations care? What's the responsibility of, uh, of, a, of a magazine like Dharma Realm? Uh, not Dharma, weird, the Dharma Realm. <laughs> Buddha <laughs> Dharma, Dharma. The, the magazine Buddha Dharma. Is it their responsibility to, you know, to reflect the entire diversity of American Buddhism? Um, a lot of people would say, you know, absolutely. Absolutely, it's their responsibility. Um, you know, maybe. Um, I think it is. <laughs> you know, particularly if the, if the organization, you know, a lot of a lot of American Buddhist communities who you know media producers will say things like you know we represent American Buddhism. Mm-hmm. If you make that claim, then you have to stick by it, and you have to say, okay, if you represent American Buddhism, then you need to represent everybody, not just you know the famous you know meditation teacher from Hollywood, but you know mm-hmm. you know little old ladies who are cooking in the kitchen at the BCA temples. They're a part of American Buddhism. Period. And if you represent all of American Buddhism, then you kind of represent them too. It's an impossible standard. It's an impossible standard. Wait, wait, wait. Um, but you know, if you're going to say it, you got to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quite frankly, so I don't know. I'm happy to represent a slice of American Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy to talk about it and, and, yeah. complain, and complain about it. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I have to go out and talk to kids or, you know, high school group comes to my class or whatever. So I try to talk about Shakyamuni and, you know, just give like a kind of really basic over, because you can't say too much, Mm. you know, but then I try to get in some, you know, this temple is, you know, this is one kind of Buddhism. And that's an important thing to know is that there are different kinds of Buddhism, that there isn't just one. And I wouldn't want there to be just one. We've talked about this before, but, you know, I, I don't think there should be just one kind of Buddhism. Because then the question becomes, well, who gets to determine what it's about? Exactly. Who gets to represent it? Right. Who gets to choose who's in and who's out? Right. And is that, if there's only one kind of Buddhism, is that really serving everybody? Mm-hmm. You know, what works for some people isn't going to work for others, right. you know, and isn't the goal to save all sentient beings? Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> It's easy to complain, but <laughs> but I think it's important. I think it's really, really important. So, mm-hmm. and if you think about even the history of Buddhism, there were schisms from early on. Mm-hmm. It's so much of the history of Buddhism has been about interpretation of what the Buddha taught, about what to think, what his teachings were, what to do, right? And a lot of the early schisms were probably monastic based, and you know, interpretations of the rules. And he left it wide open, actually. Yeah. Right? Buddha said, "You can get rid of the minor rules." Just, just stick with the major ones. It's like, well, which ones were that? <laughs> right. So actually, Buddha and maybe did it on purpose. I don't know, but um, I think that this this diversity is natural, and um, but but being aware of that diversity is important. When you- 